Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Emmy nominations, round two. We're still at it. Today we're going to discuss not the shows we expected necessarily to get in because they keep getting nominated or they've had great success. How do you break into an Emmy race that seems mired in the past, in the familiar, in the things voters run to? How does a show suddenly on its first season get in and get major nominations? That's what we're going to talk about today. And you're also going to hear from one of those veteran shows that have been nominated many times, including Sandra Oh. She, speaking of getting nominated over and over, has had 13 Emmy nominations. And I recently spoke to her for the actor's side. And you'll hear a snippet of that conversation as well today. But before that, let us talk about shows that don't star Brian Cox. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to cut to the chase here. So, You look at a number of shows like Severance, you look at Squid Game and a number of others. These are shows that on their first season broke through, let's call it the clutter, for lack of an expression. And there are a lot of different ways for looking at that, a lot of different ways. But I think the main thing here is we are now seeing, I mean, we're still in a pandemic, but let's say we're we're in a new and different phase phase of the pandemic. I think what we're seeing here is the proliferation of not just broadcasters and programmers, but streamers have now reached a maturity. Whereas in 2019, pre-pandemic, I mean, a lot of these guys didn't even exist. Now they're all kind of seasoned vets. And I think as a part of that, their campaigns have now found ways to find plateaus, ways to find niches, ways to find just sheer demographic penetration. And that's what's happening here. And It doesn't hurt when you have bragging rights. And what I mean by that, I'll use Severance as an example, Ben Stiller. You roll Ben Stiller out, man. That is a good name to drop. It's a good person to have at an FYC. It's a good person to have one and shake your hand and take a photograph with you on a step and repeat. That, I think, is how you break through. And I think the interesting one, you mentioned Squid Game. Squid Game is so different than anything else in the race, and it became a global sensation that it pretty much would have been near impossible for the Academy to ignore it. They had to go there. Um, There was no question on that. So there is that rare kind of unique thing that, you know, breaks through foreign language series never happened. So this was their chance and they knew it was different enough, so so it played there. The but do you think? But hold on. But but you know. But here's the thing about that I find interesting is let's talk about who didn't break through Reservation Dogs, which is one of the most acclaimed television shows out there in decades. Peabody Award winner. Nothing, man, like dead air. So where do you think Netflix went right, and where did FX go wrong? 
Well, I don't think Netflix could really go too wrong with Squid Game because it was such a viral sensation that it was generating its own campaign, its own publicity, just by the nature of being this breakthrough, have to see it, have to talk about it, show that rare thing that could pop like that. So, um, you know, I don't think Netflix was taking something they had to build necessarily for Emmy voters. They just had to put it out there and make sure that uh, also those actors, you know, they had won it SAG. And so SAG sort of led the way. And sometimes that can help with new shows. I, you know, look, the Golden Globes is certainly, uh, you know, troubled right now, but it has. I believe the term is DOA, my friend. <laughs> well, it has traditionally served in the television field as a breakthrough for things that will later go to the Emmys in an odd way. You know, yeah. they, they actually were conscious of bringing in new stuff. And so that is how some of these shows getting that early recognition, Critics' Choice as well, with, with critics who are a little more hip to the room, bringing attention to these kinds of shows. And that certainly happened in this case with SAG, which usually follows every yeah. yeah. Um, you know, acknowledging this. And so I think there was that. The one that surprised me the most, and now doesn't because I've since talked to a lot of people in the industry, is you mentioned Ben Stiller, is Severance, that 14 nominations on its first time out Apple, it's a very quirky series in its own way, different. But um, I did a, a, a thing for contenders uh, where the, we asked an extra question, you know, at the end of them for the interstitial. Yeah. And it's like, what show would you have liked to work on this year uh, that wasn't your show? All four of the people from different facets of the Television Academy, all four said the same show, Severance. And they all had their own reasons why. And I go like, wow. So the industry discovered that show, however they discovered it and really watched it. And you can tell where those votes are coming from. Well, I, do, I mean, I do think that, I mean, I think one, you have Ben Stiller and you also have Adam Scott and there's a lot of other big, there's a lot of other fairly big names in the show. So you've got a fair degree of, of name recognition. You also have, I think, a really good degree of what I would call narrative empathy, which is here's a show about workplace politics and the kind of pervasive, looming, and 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 detrimental model of corporate capitalism. You know, this is stuff that Hollywood loves to bang on about, right? Even though Hollywood's pretty corporate itself. But so you have all those, you have a very distinct visual style that's very easy to understand. And you have, I think, great timing. Because coming out of the pandemics early years, you have this feeling that people have about the workplace, going into the workplace, being out of the workplace. You set this drama in a workplace environment that is literally holding you psychologically hostage. People are going to respond. Like, I mean, that, that I think so much, <clears throat> and we talked about this on a previous TV talk. I think you can throw millions in FYC campaigns each way, up and down, billboards, whatever, but if your story doesn't feel like it connects to the zeitgeist, you are you are swimming upstream, my friend. And if you haven't convinced them to actually watch. Yeah, exactly. When it comes down to it, those 20,000 members of the TV Academy are like everyone else. They got stuff to do, man. And they're like, <laughs> you're going to get me to sit down and watch a show yeah. more than the like. I think most people give like 15 minutes, 20 minutes to a pilot. And then, then they kind of they start making decisions. 
If you want to keep me beyond that, you need to make me feel like this is not only well done, this is important, but made me feel like this is connected to my life and my times right now. Because as you said a million times, and we will talk about it in this one as well, there's a lot of familiar names out there that people can just default to pretty quickly, start checking off boxes and get on with the rest of their life. Yeah. It does seem, though, um, like, for instance, like in the comedy category, last year you had both Hacks and Ted Lasso completely dominating both first seasons. In fact, Hacks didn't come in until the last minute during the season uh, for people to see it. And yet it won three major Emmys. And of course, Ted Lasso won seven. So there was that huge breakthrough there, too. So maybe the Academy's changing a little bit and wanting to honor things and not doing the same thing, you know, over and over like modern family winning five years in a row and, and that kind of thing. We're seeing different winners now every single year, you know, but, then, and, but, uh, but I would say also maybe, maybe, I mean, I think a lot of this is, I think you and I are, there's some tea leaf reading clearly. Um, but I'd also would say, then you've got something like only murders in the building, which has, uh, you know, I mean, again, we're repeating old episodes. Whatever happened with not giving Selena Gomez a nomination, somebody needs to get out into the real world or at least go onto Instagram <laughs> once. But it's still got 17 without Selena. Yeah, in including that. the show, including Steve Martin, including Martin Short. Again, names that everybody knows. Like, it, these are, you know, I, I use, I mean, my, my grandmother sadly passed away not too long ago, but I use my grandmother's, if I can mention a name, if, like my grandmother would say, what are you working on? I say, I'm writing a story about Johnny Depp. She knows who Johnny Depp is, right? She knows who Martin Short and Steve Martin are. So like that level of recognition, you then go down a grade and you're like, oh, and then people like, they remember the three amigos. They remember SCTV. They remember SNL. They remember the jerk, whatever. They already have a connection. So you're, as they say in politics, your favorability rating, uh, ratings start going up, 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 up. That again, I think when you look at only murders in the building, I bring it back to my severance point. I think it jumps genres, which is if you have names that people know and they're defining, again, only murders in the building. Yeah, a lot of people walking around, not many with masks, to be honest. But so many people during the pandemic got so involved in podcasts because they would go. The only thing they could do is like go for a walk. So they put their headphones on and listen to a podcast. So when you have a show about a true crime podcast, which is true crime podcast, of course, being the most popular with the exception of Joe Rogan, which might be a true crime unto himself, in my opinion. I believe uh, he is. Yeah, you have this, <laughs> you have yet again another narrative that is fitting with the times. And that to me is that's a breakthrough breakout point you can't get past. Right. It's interesting. And, you know, also, I want to point out Euphoria finally broke in and its second season. Uh, into the drama series race. Now, it wasn't the first time, but Zendaya made such a splash when she won two years ago. It was such a surprise. And I think that's the driving force that got voters to actually pay attention to the show. Then Zendaya is the tide that lifts all ships, my friend. <laughs> and I think that's why we saw that breakthrough in a much bigger way this year. Then there's an odd duck show like Yellow Jackets you know, which switches back and forth between the teenagers and then themselves three decades later, however much it is, you know, dealing with a plane crash where they aren't rescued for 19 months and they turn into savages basically, uh, and then have to deal with it the rest of their lives. That's not a normal kind of uh, dramatic series that would normally get in here, yet it did. And it's on Showtime, which has not had a lot of luck in recent years. 
with any of their series in a big way. So uh, breaking into these kind of categories, maybe shameless for a while. But, um, you know, what do you think? How did that do it? I think Yellow Jackets was a very powerful TV show. I mean, I think, as you talked about, the jumping back and forth. Um, and I think that for a lot of viewers, they saw this collection of female friends or colleagues, I guess, and the secrets and betrayals and, and hard, hard truths. I'm not going to give it away if you haven't seen it, but trust me, <laughs> I want to, you might, you might want to be careful what you have for dinner tomorrow um, and, and, or go vegan. Um, and, and I think that that, that's a very visceral thing. And I think that you've got some good names in there, Juliette Lewis, obviously being one of them. Um, and so I think that that captured attention. I also do think though, you dissed on them, but I think Showtime actually put a pretty good campaign together because I think they, 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 they took advantage of the fact that people were feeling a little bit more comfortable going out to FYC events, a little bit more comfortable being, they were, were kind of, they were relentless in getting their cast out there and getting screenings out there and having people know about this show. So if we, if you weren't a Yellow Jackets fan first time around, if you remember the TV Academy, you were very, very hard pressed not to know that this show was out there and was asking for your attention. Yeah. Well, the writer's branch is always one step ahead. Not that I'm just because I'm in it, but they always look for something and they nominated two. As we do in every TV talk, we always point out that Mr. Hammond is currently still a member of the TV Academy. <laughs> and I am a former member of the TV Academy. But nevertheless, they nominated two scripts, both by the same writers, which I don't recommend. I think they should just submit one script, especially if it's the same writers, uh, then, you know, that this lessens their chance of actually winning. But it shows that they're, they're looking at that show. And I also want to mention Abbott Elementary, which is also oddball because it's coming from a broadcast network, which has had tremendous problems breaking through. Talk about breaking through. Did you ever think you'd have the day when you say, I really feel sorry for those broadcast networks? They just can't break through in the Emmy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, didn't feel, I, mean, I mean, for years, I mean, that was the great conceit of The Good Wife, right? I mean, The Good Wife, the Good Wife was, the, was the broadcast show that kept showing up in drama when the cablers owned all of it. And then, then the streamers came along. And, you know, if there was barely enough room before, they just pushed the broadcast up. You and I talked about this in a, in a previous season. You know, I really thought that This Is Us was going to have a good chance. Final season, past winners, good pedigree, et cetera, et cetera, great cast. And it, they were like, that was a dust bowl, baby. Zero. That's you so, know, it, that yeah. was like, it was like it never happened. It's like, oh, it ended. Oh, well. So we have Abbott at Elementary. It represents great diversity, you know. Um, it's incredibly network. funny. It's and incredibly in the Emmys, funny. and a terrific cast. And that sort of, that that connected in its first season. Something got through to the Academy members, despite the fact that it's on ABC, but maybe helped by the fact that it's on Hulu. Yeah, well, I do, I, you know, that, I think in, in future years, I mean, we all know the example of Schitt's Creek, right? Right. On the CBC, north of the border, on pop down here i mean dude if you can spell pop you probably still can't find it on the dog <laughs> i have um, no idea where and, <laughs> but then the season started showing up on netflix which reminded me you know the remember the old thing back in the day remember 24 which is one of my all-time favorite shows oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the first season 24 did okay i mean its timing was terribly great insofar as it was the first kind of it was a drama that came out not too long after 9 11 and certainly tapped into that feeling of fear terror paranoia etc but it didn't do that great. And then after the first season, the box set of the first season was available on DVD and just busted out. 
it was yeah. key, it was Keith or Sutherland everywhere. Like yeah. people were watching the show in real time on their on their their DVD players, and that I think really. So when you came back for a season two, twenty four was on fire. I think that that's that's clearly what happened with Schitt's Creek, um, and that may be what's happening here with Abbott Elementary. But it's really hard to gauge that. I mean, because it's like then conversely, I'm like, well, there's all these other shows that are on streamers that not a baby. So I don't know. No, you know, and I, but before we go on to my interview with Sandra, oh, I do want to point out not a breakouts, but breakdowns in, in terms of getting into the comedy series race where they've been, all three of them, fairly consistently throughout their life uh, in different seasons. But um, Atlanta, Insecure, and Blackish, none of them are represented in the best comedy series race. What do they all have in common? They're all creatively created by Black. Filmmakers, uh, creators, producers, with a with a distinct with a distinct point of view and a and a and a a I would say substantial cultural and sociological input. I will say what happened. I, well, before we get into that, but I will say, and I'm never one to cut the TV Academy any slack. As a member and now former member, yeah. Donald Glover did get nominated, and Issa Rae did get nominated. So yeah, there was not. It was not a complete, they were not devout. That's or, the actor's branch. Though. Yeah. I'm talking about the Academy at large that has put them in the, in the top uh, series race. And it's just, I don't know. Is it a coincidence? Is it, is there a, a deeper? I mean, reason? look, I, I mean, look, we're two white guys yakking about TV. I know, but you, you know, I'm, I'm you, I mean, I felt that way about reservation dogs too. Right. Felt, That's another one we could different. easily put on this list. Is there suddenly a problem with diversity a little bit here this year? I think Hollywood, like most of America, has a very short attention span. I think most most people move on past a news cycle or they hear of some congressman introducing a bill or some police chief resigning. And there's a little bit of like, oh, well, that dealt with. Good. Fine. Move on. New, new thing. Inflation. Deal with that. Right. More than one or two topics. I mean, you know. It's interesting. People talk about the war in Ukraine right now. That's kind of fallen off the map, right? Right. You know, I, I guess and you're I right. Feel like, I feel like that what has happened here is since the great uprisings of 2020, the tragedies of, of Brianna, the tragedies of George Floyd, and many, 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 many others, and people taking to the street, and a consciousness level that had not been seen since perhaps the late 60s, in right. rights at least. I feel now there's, I don't want to say there's a a blacklash, but I feel like there's definitely a kind of like, okay, okay, I feel like you got me. I felt terrible. I feel bad, but you know, I, I really just want to take my dog for a walk. And that's, I'm just being blunt with you. I think a lot of people are like that. And that's not cool and it's not good. And it's going to come back to bite them and this country and this industry in the ass. And unfortunately, incredibly good shows, incredibly. That's talented. what I was going to say. These are three terrific shows, even now into their third, fourth, fifth eighth seasons and in um, two of the cases insecure and blackish final seasons final seasons th there atlanta you know, penultimate season it seems like i don't know it seems a shame it's a miss there but you know we're we're here yeah, but i think you're right i mean you're you're being very polite about it because you're a very polite person but I, I think i think there's an element of race i think there's an element of culture i think there's an element of diversity i think there are a lot of white people around hollywood like there are around america who feel like they, they feel, oh, you know, I, I did what I did. I donated to the ACLU. Leave me alone. Yeah, and I think so that, that they're now like, hey, yeah, so now let's go back to this. Having said that, yeah. no argument is, 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 is a, uh, an infinity loop. And you do see things like, you do see the breakthroughs of things like Abbott Elementary. 
which yeah. has African-American creators, primarily African-American and people of color casts. And so I think that there is in Hollywood, as there is in America, as there is in the world, there is a conflict between the just and the easy. And there is a conflict between the adventurous and creative and the familiar. And the Emmys, sad to say, again, I come back to Reservation Dogs because I just think it's glaring, but I think these other examples of Atlanta and Insecure not receiving nominations for the shows and Blackish, very, very, very true as well. I think that that's a sad reality that we have to still keep talking about because I think we have to see action. We are. And I want to say in line with this, too, I had a wonderful conversation with Sandra Oh, who made history at the Emmys with all of her nominations as, as uh, Asian Pacific actress and uh, producer and all the things that she has 13 nominations. She had two series this year, one that got no nominations on Netflix called The Chair, but also was a breakout. She was star of that show and that had a lot to say about the world and uh, diversity too uh in a small town college and then of course killing eve in the final season here she is nominated again against her co-star jody comer and uh, we talked about a lot of this stuff and uh, here is part of that conversation It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sandra, oh, welcome. <laughs> Two series that we're talking about mm -hmm. here this season alone. Uh, the Chair, which is so terrific on Netflix, which is uh, uh, something you got to see, that you're also an executive producer yes. on, as you are on Killing Eve, yes. which everybody knows about, and has has finished. Yes. It's, it's the finale. I can't believe it. Like, the finale just happened, and yeah. it's all... It's all, well, spoiler alert, it's all over. It's all over. They know now. Uh, they definitely know now. And what do you think about the end? Well, while we're talking about that, the finale, it was very interesting. Mm. I mean, if you don't want to know, just yeah, go yeah. like this. But it, it, I thought it was not where I thought it was going to go. Tell me, tell me, what did you think? What? I, I thought either both of you. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be her alone. Uh -huh. alone. And then that last shot uh -huh. of you emerging and, you know, just screaming. To yeah. Me, it was amazing. You know, I'm so glad you said that. You know what? I got to tell you, honestly, it was going to be the other way around. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it was going to be the other way around. So when I was talking to Laura Neal, our head writer, that was at the beginning of beginning of 20 so that's probably january of right. 20 yeah and we were chatting about how do we want to end this blah 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 blah, blah. i was like you should kill my character i think that would be the, <laughs> I, I thought that would be the strongest and the most interesting and not only that i felt emotionally it was the right place of where i was at oh, because wow. at the end of season three uh, I just felt like it was starting to get into a kind of like a nihilistic place right and we're like let's continue that line and let's just go straight into oh. it and then, of course, the pandemic happened. Yeah. And then somewhere in uh, the summertime, uh, they came to me and they said, we, we can't do it. We need to change it. I, it's like she needs, Eve needs to live. We think that yeah. after and during I think the this audience time, wants that. I yeah. think that's also as well, because like 
You know, Eve is the way into this world. Yeah. She's our every woman. So it's kind of like really super depressing if she dies. So so we switched it around. Yeah. And uh, I, Jody was very, very much on board with that. And, and then the end, um, again, I'm so happy that you said that because that end shot is actually the end shot that I shot. Oh, that's the last thing you did? Yeah, it was tough. Oh. We did all of the tank work. Wow. The very last day, we spent like nine, 10 hours in the tank. Oh, my God. And so uh, <laughs> Jody's last shot of when Villanelle is being pulled away was her last shot. Wow. It was very emotional for both of us. And yeah. then that last, uh, when uh, Eve kind of comes up and then she has her kind of... Moment. Yeah, sure. life cry or yeah. whatever you want to call that. It was... That was my last shot. And it was like, as it is, you know, yeah. there's no time, the camera's breaking, <laughs> all that stuff. It's like, all right, um, we think we got it. And um, that's it. And I'm like, uh, okay. So wow. that's how it, um, that's well, how it Well, I, I think it also, it's up to the audience now to chart Eve's future for themselves. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. You know, and unless you're going to do a spinoff I don't know about. Oh, uh, so, no, 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 no. Which... Because I think people are rooting for her yeah. to have a nice time going or, forward. Yeah, or a life. You know a life, I mean? yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And in the metaphor of it, you know, yeah. it's like when you get what you needed to get out of a relationship, right? how do you keep moving on? How do you keep moving? Which is perfect because the relationship between them was so intriguing and goes in so many different directions, but they needed each other. Yes. And uh, to come to the places... Yes. Uh, where they were, and uh, you know, and you and Jody just phenomenal together. Thank you. All that yeah. awards attention was oh. well deserved. Thank you. Thank you. you so are much. you going to miss it? Are you going to miss that? Are are were you were you ready to move on? You know, it's hard because it's like sometimes I feel like no one really cares about this or really wants. I found that show really hard. Yeah. <clears throat> I found that show really really hard, very very challenging to shoot because there's something about the emotional weight of Eve, yeah. of having lost everything. And the way that I just feel like I'm working nowadays is like when you are playing a character who has to grow and change, yeah. I have just found it um, um, like a thing that I, it has to happen in my own body. Right. You know what I mean? So, so the digging deep to go, um, the, the, the season, uh, episode seven, um, uh, it, it was a very confusing episode for me, and I tried to make it the most um, existential because mm -hmm. she's asking the questions of like, what is the purpose of life? How right. do I go on? How do I continue on with life? Yeah. Which I think, you know, also during the pandemic, I, I, as I'm sure we all were, it was very much a, a question that I think that we all had. Yeah. And so I just thought uh, it was hard. It was hard. It was hard to say, I've, she's tried this, she's tried that. How do I continue going on when it seems to me that this world can't change yeah. or that I don't know how to end the 12 or I think that I've ended the 12 and still I, I am feeling, I'm left with these feelings. How do yeah. I go on? Questions that are killing Eve. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a great conversation, Pete. And I'm really, I really hope that you guys enjoyed our conversation today for this episode of TV Talk. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. And give us your feedback. You know, you can email us or you can always send a tweet or what have you. We'd love to hear what you guys think. And we want to evolve the conversations because it's very interesting to talk about this show up, this show down. But there are larger cultural and, and sociological threads and tides here. And that's a part of our conversation. That's a part of our industry, too. So make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode of TV Talk. And of course, you can find all of our TV breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. Join us next week. We're going to be back talking more Emmys, more TV. We're going all the way to September 12th, my friends. Stick around for the ride. Until then, talk to you soon.